0: Well, at this time, I'd like to inv- uh, invite Frank, Hang on. Frank Sablehouse to the stage. Frank is, uh, he, he's going to tell you a little bit about it, because I, I like the way that you intro that last time, Frank. You kind of told about how it all collectively was brought together and how you started coming here and, and uh, met Beth and all that good stuff. So I want you to tell that. But this is Frank Sablehouse. He's been a part of Crossroads before, uh, been a part of the worship band, he'd been a part of uh, helping with the youth and, and teens, and uh, Pastor
1: Eddie has, has said, you know, I'm going to be gone one more weekend, and, and uh, Frank, why don't you come on in and speak it up? So,
0: let's give him a warm welcome, and this is Frank Sablehouse. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Um, so, like Steve said, my name's Frank Sablehouse, and... Me and my wife, uh, before we were even married, actually, while well, we were, at least I was still attending ISU, she graduated before I did, but that's neither here nor there. Um, we came to this church, uh, like Steve said, we were involved with music, involved with the youth for a while. I was remembering a time when we uh, took the youth group camping. It rained pretty much all night, so we didn't want to stay in the tents, so we all crammed into Mark Hadley's uh, van that he let us borrow for the weekend. Um 12 or so kids, it was a lot of kids, but anyway, we just crammed in the van, it was raining, and we did our best to make the best of it, watched E.T. on a laptop, and uh, hopefully uh, they at least remember the sacrifices we made for them. Anyway, anyway. Um, So uh, for a little while, uh, we helped out with the church plant in Terre Haute, did the worship there, and then we actually went to New Life Community Church, which uh, they're actually super involved with the CPC as well, because Sharon's the head, I don't know, of the CPC, which is Pastor Paul's wife at New Life. Anyway. and. from there, just because there was more opportunity, I guess. Um, I tried. I looked for jobs to Terre Haute, I promise. Um, there's more opportunity, I guess, in the Indianapolis area. So we relocated to Carmel. Um, and I helped out with a small church in Sheridan there doing worship. And now we're in Genesis in Carmel. Beth's actually on staff there as the youth coordinator extraordinaire. I almost had it right. All right, so real quick, does anyone here not like to fly? Raise of hands. Okay, we've got a couple. Some people like to fly? Anyone indifferent about flying? Okay. Um, is anyone here actually a pilot? Pilot certificate? Fantastic. Awesome. You guys will know more about this than I will, but I'll try to get my, try to trudge through. For me, I don't necessarily like flying on commercial flights because they can be uncomfortable. Sometimes I'm flying southwest and I check in way too late, so I'm stuck in the middle seat and I remember on several occasions being able to feel the sweat of the people beside me on both sides (laughs) running down my legs, but that's okay. Um, Also one time I was flying to San Diego from Indianapolis. And it was, probably, it, it was probably only like 10 minutes, but it felt like an hour. An hour of turbulence, 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 turbulence. And I thought I was going to throw up. And I was like, I think that was the one time I, there was no barf bag. But I didn't. It was fine. Um, and also, of course, I just feel like I'm at the mercy of the pilots. And let's say they forget something and the whole plane explodes. I know it's not like that, but that's just what I think in my head. Um, So I have no control. I'm at the mercy of the pilots. I'm at the mercy of the structure of the airplane. So sometimes I don't like that. And of course, you always hear stories of tragedy. Here recently, there's been one, but anyway. Um, Usually every three to six months, you hear some kind of tragic story. So let's pray real quick. God, we just love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. And I just thank you for this opportunity to speak I just—I uh, know you've given me kind of a, a parable, I guess, about what uh, studying to be a pilot is like as far as discipleship. And I just pray that you help me to uh, just say that so that other people understand it as well. I just love you, God, and thank you again for this church and for this time in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... Uh, Probably off and on for the past five years or so, I've been dabbling at the notion of becoming a pilot Um, and not like a commercial pilot or anything, but just, you know, for recreation on the weekends kind of thing, just flying single engine prop planes. Um, uh, So starting probably last November or so, I actually started up again just studying what it would take to do that, um, and I got real close this time. So, um, we actually, for my birthday, if there's a picture, Beth took me on Discovery flight, this is in Sheridan, Indiana, at their little airport out there, and that's a Cherokee, um, so the instructor was really cool, he let me fly the plane pretty much the whole time, he took over when we did the landing. Beth had to close her eyes during the landing, but that's okay. Um, she was with me. So I just noticed uh, this last time when I was studying that there's. it just seems like there's a huge correlation. I started picking out just little bits here and there of the correlation between uh, being a pilot, what it takes to be a pilot, and uh, what it takes as far as studies and all that. There's a correlation between that and what it takes to be a successful disciple of Christ. So I just started uh, getting some of that, and then that's pretty much why I was wanting to share that with you today. So pretty much the whole thing, or what I'm going to speak about today, is more or less a parable about how studying to be a pilot, or what it takes to be a pilot, is the same as being a disciple of Christ. All right. So, next picture is a, this is what's known as a VFR chart, Uh, VFR stands for visual flight rules, you'll probably hear that a few times during today's service, which is weird, but that's okay, means that when you're flying the plane, you are only certified to be able to see out the window, Um, it means you can't fly through weather or fog, and you need to have. I forget what it is exactly, but I think it's between 5 and 10 nautical miles of visibility you have to be able to see. That's VFR, virtual flight rules. So if you hear me say that again, you'll know what it means. So this is actually, and actually when you get your pilot's license at first, you will only be VFR certified, so you have to be able to see out the plane when you first get your pilot's license. This is a VFR chart, and look right there, there's Sullivan, and you see the lake, and All kinds of fun stuff. So this is actually the type of, if a pilot's going to map out their plan, they'll look at a chart like this. So the importance of planning is what I'm getting at as far as that goes. And when you're a pilot, planning is extremely important because you have things like flight checks. You have to make sure that the plane can fly, that the tires are aired up, that there's gas in it, that all the mechanics work on it. Everything's free and clear, that the RPMs look correct uh, when you start it, and things like that. Um, Those are your flight checks. And pilots, you also have to go through weather briefs. Because VFR conditions, you need to be able to see out the plane, uh, require visibility, as I said before. So you have to make sure there's no weather fronts coming through that are going to block your view. And make sure there's not a low ceiling or uh, a bunch of fog. So, this is v- I've got a video, this is actually me on my flight simulator, just because I wanted to give you some kind of idea of what it's like. This is me flying out of Sullivan, actually, Sullivan Airport. You guys recognize anything? See anything good? It's, it's actually uh, it's pretty close, because you can see the town, you can see the lake, if you fly that way. Uh, it's not exactly right, because there's like palm trees and things like that, and so I mean it's close. but not exactly right but anyway for the weather i put a really low ceiling of the clouds so you can see what it's like so i'm a vfr pilot right now virtually in my simulator now i'm be, i'm able to see the horizon so i can keep the plane level sorry i'm looking at this if you're wondering why i'm crazy you can i can see the horizon and I actually actually see the ground so i can oh but then all of a sudden i go into the clouds and i can't see anything and It's even worse in a plane, like a real plane, I'm sure. But in the flight simulator, it it weirds me out. And I I hid the uh, instrumentation on purpose just to see if I could survive more or less. But you lose track of where you're at. If you're level, it just feels weird. And um, the way to get out of it, I guess, is to pull the throttle and start dipping the nose down so that you can get out of that situation. You'll see that here in a moment but can't tell if I'm upright or sideways or down or, because remember, you're in a plane, so you could, I could be completely upside down and it would look the same, just because you have no reference points outside. So then eventually, pop out of the clouds and you can see the horizon again and level the plane out. And that one actually wasn't too bad, I wasn't completely upside down or anything, so anyway. So the most important, thing, let's get the VFR chart back up. The most important thing when pilots are getting ready for a flight is to map out the route. Because if they don't, there's a possibility of them getting lost in the air. But, I mean, with a few exceptions, like if you're just going to pull out of Sullivan County Airport and just do a couple laps or whatever, you don't need to map that out. Or if you just want to fly over the lake and come back. But if you're actually going somewhere, it's good to map out your route, so you know exactly where you're going. Like, for instance, if we were going to Brazil, it probably wouldn't hurt to hit uh, Terre Haute Airport as a waypoint. And then, you know, once you pass uh, Terre Haute Airport, you just have to go towards the east and then you'll eventually be close to Brazil. Plus, it's good to use Terra Haute or any airport as a waypoint, just in case you do have trouble in the air, engine out or whatever, you can safely you know there's at least an airport close by. All right, so good. I'm going to transition now. Um, thinking back to the uh, simulator video that I showed, um, things if pilots find themselves in that situation, it can be really, really bad if they're not prepared for it, if they're not trained to be in that situation. In fact, going through my... S- studies, I would say that most of the general aviation accidents come from VFR pilots flying into dense fog or clouds and then they just flip out and eventually the plane stalls or they go upside down or they just lose control. So I would say most of the accidents actually come from VFR pilots flying into IMC instrument conditions. So in this next video, hopefully the simulator gave you a general idea of what it's like to fly through clouds and have no idea where you're going. In this next video, this guy actually did this. This is air traffic controller uh, audio. Um, This guy actually was in this situation, and he was flipping out. Video may be a little scary, but the guy was more or less uh, his only hope was that little button where he could call the air traffic controller.
2: Airfield arrival, matey, 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 9815 Lima, I'm in
1: trouble, matey, matey, matey. November 9815
2: Lima, 4W, go ahead. I'm in no idea where I'm going, I'm, I'm gonna crash, matey, matey, matey.
1: 9815 Lima, stay last known position.
2: And it went five. Let me say altitude. I'm rolling! I'm rolling! I'm rolling! I'm rolling! I'm rolling! Oh my
1: God! Help! Help! Calling for Dodge. Uh, release the stick. Go forward on the stick and then slowly back again. Lima, remain VFR if you can. Remain straight and level. Squawk seven seven zero zero. If you have a transponder. In level now. Nine eight one five Lima. Do you have a transponder, sir? I do. One two zero zero right now. Nine eight one five Lima, please trans. Uh, squawk seven seven zero zero.
0: Transponder helps the uh, air traffic control. see going up to three
1: thousand.
0: IFR! Means he can't see anything. He's in a
1: cloud. Uh, November 15 Lima, try to remain straight and level. On a straight level, right now. November 15 Lima, yeah, I understand you are in IFR conditions. Do your best to keep wings straight and level and flying straight and level. We're going to try to get you in contact with Air Traffic Control Center. Thank you, sir. I'm at 3,000.
0: All right, so this video or the video is a good example of what can happen if um, through poor planning or just getting a, in a situation that the guy wasn't trained to be in. But it's kind of nice that the air traffic controller was a calm voice of reason. He didn't flip out um, and told the, the pilot exactly what he needed to do to get out of that situation. So. Going with the correlation between my pilot studies and discipleship, or being a good disciple of Christ, we've got three points that will uh, maybe help us become better disciples. And it'll help us with our training and improvement. So just like a good pilot requires planning, training, and knowing when to ask for help because their lives depend on it, If you think about it, outside of the church, other people's lives depend on us as the church, our discipleship training and planning and knowing when to ask for help as well. So first thing, plan ahead. Uh, Just like a good pilot, um, it's good to plan ahead. As Christians and disciples of Christ, we can be intentional with our day. It's a good Christian word, intentional. It means uh, we're actually thinking about ways that we can serve Christ uh, every day, every week, every year, etc. Uh, a good way to start your day is to pray. Hopefully you guys do that anyway, but if, you're not, if you don't, it's good to get in that habit just to start your day. Philippians 4, which one is it? 4, 6 through 7 says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I think for me, just knowing that my heart and my mind will be guarded in Christ Jesus is just a good way to start my day. Um, something, another thing that I've done in the past and will continue to do, I guess, is keep a prayer journal. And as part of the family's nightly Bible study, we've done this in the past where we keep the prayer journal, go through everybody's, like, do you have any prayer requests? We'll write them down. Um, and then probably a week, a couple weeks later, we'll go back through them and say, was that prayer answered? Was that prayer answered? Uh, if, and if yes, I gave it a little thumbs up next to the, or give a little checkbox. And if not, um, keep praying. And I know that in the past, I've actually kept a prayer journal, went back to look at it. I've had prayers answered that I had forgot I had even prayed. So that made me feel kind of bad. God had answered my prayer that I forgot I even prayed. So he didn't get the glory until I went back to the prayer journal, saw that I did it, and I was like, "Oops, sorry, God. Uh, thank you for that. So how many, time, how many prayers have I not written down that I've forgotten about? I don't know. It's just a bad situation, that's all. Um, and then daily Bible study. I'm sure you guys have heard this before. Daily Bible study is good. Um, one way, like, we do our individual Bible study, but we also do Bible study as a family, or at least try to. We're not religious about it. Get it? But we try our best to do it every night. Um, and it's kind of nice that there's five of us in the family and they're getting old enough now, the kids are, that we each have our own day. So every, I mean, it's only like five, 10 minutes before bed, just a quick, quick devotional, quick Bible study and just helps us to just stay in that mindset. All right. So that was being intentional uh, another thing we can do is just map out a plan and follow our checklists like the pilots have to. A good example is, um, do you feel cr- like right now if you're doing nothing or feel like Christ isn't using you to or for what you're good at or whatever, um, it's, it's good to ask or just to pray to see where you should be volunteering or ministering. Because once you get in those situations that you know God has led you into, um, it's just it feels really good because you know you're where you're supposed to be and then you know you're helping people and you know that you're doing God's will. Um, it's good to seek people that need ministry and prayer. Um, the church, of course, always needs volunteers for service. Think about neighbors, friends, relatives uh, that may need your help, just something small every now and again. Um, And again, ask God for opportunities uh, to minister, and then people you know who need the gospel but haven't heard it yet, and just ask God for those opportunities where you can share uh, the gospel. And with that, it probably wouldn't hurt to be prepared to give your testimony. Everyone who's a follower of Christ has a testimony. Some of them are a little more dramatic than others, but I promise you none of them are boring. And if you haven't already, it helps to, it may help to write it out, just a paragraph or two, and then memorize it. I'm sure most of you have your testimonies memorized anyway, but it just helps to just have it prepared in case someone's like, why are you a Christian? What's your deal? You are ready to give your testimony so that they're like, oh, okay, I guess I get it. All right, Colossians 3.15 through 17 or sorry, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, and the second bullet I've got is, like any good pilot, be prepared. Pilots all the time have to get recertified or add hours to to their logbook uh, I forget what it is, but to have a passenger, you have to be able to land. I think it's three times in a month, or three times every three months, something like that. Um, so that's being prepared. And just like that, disciples of Christ should be prepared for things like trials, like tests, and temptations, etc. It's good to pray for the best scenario, but it's also good to prepare in case something bad or something weird or something uh, goofy does happen, at least you're prepared for it. And when I was thinking about what scripture should go with preparation, hopefully you guys all know this, but the obvious one for me was armor of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. Paul said our fight is against spiritual forces of evil, And he says, and this is something uh, you guys can metaphorically do every morning after you pray, put on your belt of truth that holds all your stuff up. If you don't have truth, everything would just fall to the ground. Breastplate of righteousness. Uh, Righteousness actually, the breastplate actually is protecting the heart there. Put your boots on and be ready to tell others about Jesus. Um, Shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and sword of the Spirit, Which is the Word of God, uh, i.e., the Bible. And that's the offensive weapon that Paul mentions there. So you can actually use the Bible as an offensive weapon against spiritual forces of evil. All right. So uh, going back to being a pilot and being prepared, I don't know if anybody remembers the Amadons, but uh, Greg Amadon used to play bass up here. And he is a pilot and actually just recently got his IFR certification, which is instrument flight rules. So he is able, like that flight simulator video I showed, he's able to fly through that, just use the instruments, and he could, the whole flight, he could be in that because he's certified and he's been through the the extra 20-plus hours of training to use the instruments and his radios. He can go completely from one airport to another airport and complete not being able to see anything out the windows. So that's pretty cool. Number three, um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Asking for help is a good thing, Um, especially when it comes to seeking God's advice and help for any kind of life-changing... Uh, situation. I don't know if he necessarily cares which bathroom you use or anything like that or what kind of toilet paper you buy, but anything that's kind of major as far as life-changing events. Um, I'm thinking anything, any kind of changes, any kind of purchases, any big or small decisions. Uh, examples I've got are like which college to pick. I think if I would have asked God which college to pick from the get-go, I probably would have been better off. But who knows? Um, if you're wanting to like, purchase a different house or move to a different community, definitely get God involved in that. Uh, if you're looking at a new car or any kind of big purchase like that, a uh, new job, uh, who you want to date, who you want to marry, etc., etc. just ask God for God's guidance in any of those situations. Also, a lot of people wait for their May Day event before they ask for help, and we don't have to do that. Um having a relationship with Christ, like daily relationship. Like if I talked to my wife only when I was in trouble, my mom would say that I do do that to her. I only call her when I need something. But that's not a good relationship in general. You should call people. Me, I should call my mom just to say, hi, mom. I love you. How are you doing? And not just when I need her to watch the dog for the weekend because I'm going to Sullivan. Anyway, so it's a, I'm just saying, daily, daily relationship with Christ, don't wait for the May Day event, you can have conversation, or don't wait for a May Day event to ask other Christians to pray for you. Other Christians, we're the body of Christ, we're a family, the church, that's what we are, we're there for each other, to help each other, and not only in crisis, but just daily, everyday events. And the relationship is key between you, Christ and the church. All right, So also, if we do all this, there are certain promises God makes. and this is good, because um, again, these are God's promises, and God's promises are are uh, good. You know they're true, that's what I'm trying to say. So James 5:13 through uh, 16. Says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And that's living together as a family. Um, and this is the big part prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective oh i lost my place forgive me give me a second all right okay so but it does happen every once in a while we do get ourselves or we're just we just find ourselves in a mayday situation like the guy in the video um, the good News, though, is not all hope is lost. Um, like the guy was able to call out to the air traffic controller, we, uh, Christ has promised in his word that if we're in a situation like that, we can get out of it. Because Romans 10 11 through 13 says, As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's uh, probably a good one to memorize, just so that uh, it just gives us some hope that if we're ever in that situation, we can always call on Christ and he will save us. So, to conclude... If pilots, uh, before they got in their planes, were just nonchalant about preparation and safety and going through their checks and going through their weather briefs, didn't care if there was gas in the plane or air in the tires or if the thing worked, eh, it kind of works, good enough, let's go. Um, Their lives would be in constant danger um, because their lives depend on preparation and actually the safety of their passengers depends on their preparation, their training, and for them, knowing when to ask for help. So taking that as a model, how much more important then is our preparation and training and knowing when to ask for help uh, as disciples of Christ? So we make choices every day, and the best choice is to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But I don't want you guys to get too bogged down with all the things I've been throwing at you today. Um... If you remember the the guy yelling, mayday, mayday, mayday. Um, He was freaking out because more or less all hope was lost except for that one little button on his yoke. Um, He could call air traffic control. That was his one hope. Um, If if it wasn't for that, he was going to die, and he knew that. So um, he said, mayday, 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 help me, help me, help me. What's the one, or what's the, more or less the first command the air traffic controller gave him? He said, release the stick because what was happening was the guy was trying to fight the plane and trying to get it through his own doing, trying to get the plane level. Whereas if most people, um, most pilots should know that planes are, by design, supposed to more or less level themselves out if they're going fast enough, eventually the plane would come to level itself out, and the air traffic controller knew that, but he also knew that the guy was freaking out and not thinking clearly. So he said, release the stick. So another correlation is sometimes I think we're trying too hard to fight and fix our own issues and not allowing the still voice of Jesus to just tell us how to easily get ourselves out of it. For the pilot, it was as simple as just letting go of the yoke or the stick, letting the plane out, or letting the plane level out like it was built to do. And sometimes we need to know just just when to let go and just understand uh, the sovereignty of God and God's power and how much He loves us, and that he'll get us out of those situations if we let him. And that's half of the problem. We have to let go and let him do that. But no matter what, what situations we find ourselves in, difficult. it's difficult, but it's a simple truth. Remember that we are commanded by Christ and by God to love God first. And love people. Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we love you. And I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. And I thank you for this church. It has a special place in my heart. And I just pray that you bless Crossroads and the people here and leadership. And again, we just love you, Lord. And just pray that you help us become better disciples and just um, look to you every day for guidance. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.